Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. A Mother's Day meltdown. Welcome back to another Leafs, Leafs talk episode. Um, Kyle can't be with us tonight again. Uh, he's exhibiting COVID symptoms, so he uh, he's resting. Uh, speaking of COVID, uh, I've been battling COVID now for about a week. Scott, for about two days now. Um, so if you hear random mutes or anything or coughs or sneezes, it's because we are also uh, fighting COVID. Um, as mentioned off the top, it is Mother's Day. Uh, I don't believe it's Mother's Day anywhere else outside of on or North America. So happy Mother's Day to all um, North American mothers out there. Actually, all mothers around the world. Uh, there is numerous probably mothers that listen to this podcast. I'd imagine at least a handful. Um, just to get started here, um, obviously, a little personal note here. Mother's Day today. Kind of sucked for our mom. She couldn't see the rest of our siblings. Me and Scott both have COVID, and so do my parents. Uh, so she couldn't see the rest of our siblings. So, mom, if you listen to this, we hope you enjoyed your dinner, and uh, we love you. Um, we're gonna welcome uh, Latvia. Latvia is the newest country to listen to our podcast. So welcome! I'm be super excited when Denmark listens, um, because uh, could be someone in Freddie Anderson's family. Um, yeah, episode 10 here. We're making uh, headway. Lee's blew it early in the game, but uh, we're going to get right to Scott for jersey numbers, uh, number 10. Yeah, so I, I think I've said this a few times over the past couple of episodes, but this number 10 isn't necessarily my favorite. Uh, number 10 is more like a notable player who I knew from the era of hockey I grew up watching. I'm, so I'm going with uh, Gary Volk, played with the Leafs in the late 90s for four years, was more of a depth guy, uh, like a third, fourth line energy guy who scored just under 100 points in those four years. But, but like I said, not really my favorite player or a player I even liked. It was just a notable guy. And obviously I had to choose someone. Uh, my favorite number 10. Um, is Alex Steen. I mentioned him. He was uh, a player that I liked last week uh, when we talked about kind of trades from Cardinal Koyakpo, or maybe that was two weeks ago, uh, or two episodes ago, sorry. Um, yeah, he, similar kind of uh, way of Garrett Falk, he, uh, 126 points with the Leafs, four seasons, seemed to be a fan favorite or one of the guys that a lot of the fans liked him with Matt Stajan. I got some time on the on the line with uh, Matt Sundin before he got traded to St. Louis with Carl Koyakpo for Lee Stemniak. And then uh, for classics this week, we have four. Three of them are life like their whole careers are spent with the Leafs. They're amongst the greatest Leafs of all time in a list, top fifty, top twenty-five, wherever you rank them. And then one is a 
late 80s guy who was a point producer for the Leafs. Uh, the three career-long Leafs all kind of overlap with each other at some points. And those are Ted Kennedy, who was on the Leafs in the 40s and 50s, uh, where he scored 560 points and was the, the captain for the final eight seasons of his career. George Armstrong, who was with the Leafs in the 50s and 60s, where he scored 713 points and is arguably one of the greatest, if not the greatest, Leafs captain of all time. And Sil Apps, who played for the Leafs in the 30s and 40s, where he scored 432 points. The late 80s guy was Vincent Dampus, who spent his first five seasons with the Leafs, where he scored 329 points, including a tied for career high 94 points in uh, 92 or 93. George Armstrong, uh, also known as Chief, uh, definitely considered the best, or among the best, as you mentioned, captain of all time. Rest his soul. Yeah, he did pass away, I believe, just before COVID. But regardless, rest in peace, George, and uh, thanks for the jersey segment. Um, you can tell the mood of the podcast. It's it's not the most uh, amped. Uh, not because we're sick, but simply because the way that game went. I don't know. If you want to start it off, Scott, what, what was your key takeaways of the game? Um, poor play, uh, uninspired play. I mean, from start to finish, the Leafs didn't really have any energy or motivation to even stay competitive with Tampa right from the first shift of the game. And then, what, three minutes in when Tampa scored their first goal, the rest of the first where Tampa kind of dominated End of the first, Leafs kind of took some control, but not not a lot. Then the second period, Tampa got those two early goals, kind of deflated the Leafs right off the bat. They kind of battled back for for play, like puck control play wise. Didn't get a goal though. They did get a couple in the third, but by then it was too late. Tampa scored a couple empty netters, where the Leafs were trying to score three with five minutes left with an empty net, but didn't work out for them. So, yeah, it was Tampa controlled the game, physicality, like just puck control from start to finish, and Toronto just couldn't match. Yeah, I I do want to shout out Will Nylander, although there was a couple iffy plays that he made. One was, like, already gone viral where he stopped up into the offensive zone, and it kind of seemed like he was beating, beating out the icing and then stopped up. It was weird. Uh, the other play was that... Uh, empty net play where he passed it across. So I guess in, in our opinion, I guess it was more, he was trying to get Riley to touch the puck. So then it was delayed offside rather yeah. than go down the other way. Uh, but he did get two goals. So good for him. Obviously gets off the schneid a little bit and gets on the goal, um, the goal column. So um, yeah, but I can only, I can honestly say that might be the only key takeaway of the game. in this one was like, I mean, uh, the last episode we we kind of titled uh, "Facing Adversity" because they faced the adversity and they overcame it. Uh, in the article I wrote about facing adversity and overcoming it, in this game it just kind of seemed like the only way that they're going to overcome this is coming out and scoring in the first period next game. Like you you have to come out and and put on a dominating performance or else you look weak, soft, and purposeless. Like Sheldon Keith called you the, the team earlier this season. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems like after game one, it seems like after game one, the team that's had control late in the third or majority of the third has come out the next game 
and kind of took control early. Like Tam, like game one was a bit like Tampa had some pressure in the third, but Toronto won five nothing. But then game two, Tampa came out early, scored a couple. Leafs kind of piled it on late, but it was too late. They lost five three. The next game, the Leafs came out early, scored a couple, and then by the end of the game, Tampa was trying to like relentless in the third, trying to tie it, but couldn't. Now this game, Tampa came out early, scored a couple, took control of the game, and then luckily the Leafs had pressure at the end there, minus the two empty nets. But it just seems a coincidence that the game's two, three, and four now. Uh, the team that had pressure towards the end of the game came out the next game early and and kind of took control. Also, I just I just have a correction. Uh, for some reason, I said ninety two ninety three with Dan Pusa's ninety four points. It was eighty nine ninety, so just a correction on that. I don't know why I said ninety two ninety three. I knew it was eighty nine ninety. All right, way to go, Kyle. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do think there's one thing that we we mentioned. I actually screenshotted it, so give me two seconds to pull this up. I mean, Scott thought this is interesting. Obviously, there was a penalty that broke this up, um, but uh, with eleven forty left in the first period. Austin Matthews had played a minute 42. At that point, when I screenshot this, Mitch Marner was going on the ice for the penalty kill, so he had then over uh, passed over Austin Matthews. Um, Jason Spezza was at 108, and Michael Bunting was at 108. Alex Kerfoot was at 151, who was on his line. And that's, like, Austin Matthews was, like, the third lowest uh, player on the Leafs in ice time going into almost 10 minutes in the first period. If you watch the Canadian um, broadcast, or maybe you just watch it from America, like there's many streaming apps, you would have heard Elliot Freeman talking about the penalties and how it disrupts the star players getting in the flow. And and then you would have heard Kevin BX talk about how they shift Austin Matthews third in the rotation, which was to their disadvantage in game one because they ended up getting a five-minute penalty and a seven or seven minutes of penalties in the first 10 minutes of the game or whatever. Um, we had talked about it a little bit, but like awesome. Others needs to get going early in the game. Like you, you saw him bobble pucks on the power play and this and that, but like he just looked um, kind of out of it by the end, end of the first period. Like, yeah, he stayed out there for the full two minutes and yeah, he was getting some, some looks on the power play. But, like, the, the guy's not shooting the puck. Like, that power play, he, he could have wristed off a couple shots, but that he's just kind of passing around, bobbling pucks. Like, I don't know what kind of job Sheldon Keith needs to do to change it, but I don't know what your opinion on it is, but something needs to change. Like, they need to either start him or put him out second shift. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I understand why the they started the McCabe line, Engvall, and uh, Camp specifically because how well they did late in the third last game where they got the two empty netters to kind of solidify it for Toronto. Was it last game? Yeah. Yeah, it was last game. And then, uh, but yeah, I think you you need to start Matthews. Even like game two or three, whatever one it was, where they the Tavares line came on first and Matthews came on next. Like the offense runs through Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. No offense to John Tavares and Willie. Nylander, but those are your two biggest offensive stars. Why wouldn't you automatically start them on the game, try to get the tempo going? And you could even see it in the first period of this game where the first 10 minutes, like we said, Austin Matthews played a minute 40 or around there, and the Leafs just looked like Tampa was all over them. Then after that, with eight minutes left, when Matthews started 
to play more. Toronto kind of took more control of the puck, had some offensive zone time. And most of the time it was because Matthews was on the ice controlling play. Like It just seems weird that you're 60 goal scorer, you're almost a 100-point player. You're kind of nudging down in the rotation because your depth guys had a good third period, which good on them. And then Tavares and Elander need to get going. It just seems weird that you you would you would shuffle those two guys down more because you want the energy of those depth guys to continue over to a game that you didn't even know if they're going to continue, which turns out they didn't. So in my eyes, yeah. I think you even even in the was third period. Obviously, by then they were down five nothing. And just real quick, I know I pointed this out last week. I'd say obviously a lot. I'm going to try and stop that. I said it again there. Sorry about that. But going into the game, you were down, or third period, you were down 5 nothing, And then who do they start? Mikheyev, Camp, and Engvall. Like, you were down 5 nothing. You're probably not going to come back. They did score a couple of goals after that. But why, just to get the energy going, wouldn't you have started the Matthews line? Matthews yeah. and Marner. You did score a few minutes later on the power play. But if Matthews was another to start, who's to say you wouldn't have scored in the first minute? And then you could have kept going from there, building more momentum. Eventually, you potentially could have came back. But instead, they started the uh, the third line, for some reason, as an energy line. I, I don't get it. And again, I get why they started the third line to start the game, hoping to carry over that momentum. But it just strikes me as odd that your two best offensive players, who everybody knows your offense runs through anyway, you're not starting to try to create that that momentum. And also, you pointed this out earlier to me in the game. When Toronto had that first power play, they were they tried that bumper play like three or four times, which is ironic because me and you had mentioned that last time on the podcast. That like Tavares is basically just stand there in front of the net. Yeah. And then they put him to use. <laughs> and then and then the commentators on the Canadian broadcast were like, "Oh, John Tavares trying to get a, they're trying to get John Tavares some touches, trying to get John Tavares some goals." And you're like, "This isn't really the time." You're down three nothing with a power play that could have, like, if they would have scored there, they probably would have came out, maybe in the second period and actually dominated. You know? Yeah, because at that point it was only three nothing, and like a late a late game or a late game a late period goal on the power play could have sparked your team. Then the talk and the intermission captains, veteran players, coach, whoever it was, could have came out with more energy in the second, and who's to say Tampa would have got those two goals. It just it was weird to me that they were kind of going the power play through Tavares at that point to try to get him a goal when you could have tried to score. And no saying that that couldn't have worked. Tavares could have scored there. Obviously, he didn't. Sorry about that. Um, but I feel like they should have focused more on getting a goal, no matter who it was, instead of continuously trying to get to Tavares to put it in the net. Then if you do score, after that, you can worry about getting Tavares a goal. And then other people can join in. Yeah, I uh, I think like Toronto did score three in that game, and if you would have ended the um, like the pressure from Tampa, you would have been in a different situation. I think. Sorry, excuse me. Uh, you would have been in a different situation going into the second, going into the third, whatever uh, period you're talking about. But like in my opinion, based solely on what had happened. In the first period, Toronto needed a not to, not to pass the puck to Tavares. Like you need, yeah, sure you need to, but like don't focus so much on John Tavares or William Nylander or Matthews. 
just get it on net because as soon as one yeah. goal goes in, your legs are energized. You know, a flip of the switch. It's kind of like what happened in game two when Hedman scored with like eight seconds left in the first period. Remember? Yeah. Then Tampa came on and scored again two minutes into the second. Yeah. And we were watching the early part of the St. Louis Minnesota game earlier, and they had a four minute parent power play for high sticking the blood drawn, whatever. But in that power play, they were just constantly braiding. Even if the puck didn't hit the net, they were just shooting. I think they ended up with like nine shots on that four minute power play. But then in this time, Toronto, knowing it's an important power play, knowing it's an important moment in the game, it seems weird that they would try to focus on getting Tavares the goal to continuously try to get to that bumper to score when you could have tried to score, like I said earlier, and then focus on Tavares after that. Which later in the game, they had a power play where they didn't, and they scored in the what, first 10 seconds? Yeah. Not saying that they would have scored. Score sheet anyways, not with a goal, but with an assist. An assist on Nylander, yeah. Not saying they would have scored on the first power play if they didn't focus on Tavares, but it just struck me as odd that they were trying to focus so much on getting Tavares a goal in that moment when you knew it was an important moment in the game and you needed the goal. Uh, I just thought it was weird. And 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 also with the uh, the second power play or the second part of that power play, the first one when the second unit came on and Matthews came on instead of who would be Lilligren typically, obviously they're not putting Justin Hall out there, so I think Jake Muslin would probably come in. Um, it made it weird because like the second power play unit, I have always talked about like all year to you is how they're gonna get they're getting they move they they get into the open spaces, they get the puck around, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, this time. You had Matthews on the flank, J- Jason Spezza on the other flank where he's supposed to be, and then Mark Giordano passing the puck. Well, typically in that situation, he'd pass to Mar- uh, Jason Spezza. Jason Spezza would either do the slap pass or the shot. Net. They have designated plays on their power plays, obviously. But then the whole the whole time was just trying to get the pass to Matthews, which then disrupted the flow of the other secondary or second unit because then they were just standing in front of the net trying to, you know, Bunting was behind the net, and whomever was in the front of the net trying to get the tip and get the puck back to, to cycle it around. Like, I understand you're trying to get Matthews in the game, but you had what 16 minutes at that point to get him into the game. You should have, I think, they should have went with either a, an Ingvall or a secondary player and left Matthews. Kind of, I understand the the premise behind it, and I want Matthews in the game. He ended up with 19 minutes, by the way. Um, but regardless, I still think if you would have put an Ingvall or a Kerfoot or a that camp for even Jake Muzzin on the secondary unit, it, it may have changed the focus rather than just getting it to Matthews, maybe passing the puck around a little bit more, getting guys open. You know what I mean? Like, it just seems yeah. like Sheldon Keefe got outcoached in the first period. And Matthews finishing with 19 minutes just kind of proves what we're saying here is that because after the first period, yeah, Tampa scored the two quick goals in the second. It was in, like, what, the first five or six minutes. Then after that, the game was kind of more even. Like, each team had their chances. Toronto had possession in the offensive zone sometimes. Tampa had it sometimes. But Matthews played – I don't even know what he finished the first period with, but I'm probably going to say it was around six. So he played he 15 minutes. finished the minutes. period with a combined 11. Okay, so he played, like, five in the first, six in the second, eight in the third. But as the game progressed, he played more and more. Toronto seemed to be more comfortable with the puck. They seemed to be yeah. just rough estimate of those numbers. They seemed to be more focused on getting offensive zone time, whereas in the first 10, 11 minutes where he only had two minutes of ice time, 
they were kind of scrambling. They at times seemed lost. Tampa scored three early goals. It just seemed like they 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 didn't come to play in the early part. Not saying that Matthews would have made that any better, but like we said earlier, he is what drives your offense. And as the game progressed, the more he played, the more the game kind of evened down a bit. And I was surprised that it took took Sheldon Keith uh, two periods to get Kerfoot off the top line. I was I was truly really surprised by that. They weren't buzzing when they were out there. Like when they were out there, yeah, they were generating chances, whatever. But like, I don't I don't really understand why. Like I don't think Bunting played bad on that top line the first game he came back. He, like he had the goal. So I don't, I don't understand why they gave they, me an assist. Yeah, I mean, but the second game they kind of that's when they put Bunting on the on the fourth line to try and out there. But it just seemed weird to me that he they would try Kerfoot again when I don't think Bunting played bad on that top line. There maybe have been moments in the game where he played bad, but there's moments in the game where every Leaf played bad at some point in the series. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And then, like, they put Bunting back out there on the top line, and and then the top line seemed to be a little bit more confident and buzzing in the in the in the third period. I'm not saying that Kerfoot doesn't compliment that line because he does. He he digs. He has speed. Numerous reasons why he could fit, but like at the same time, like you should. I think Keith into the second period, he should have kind of switched a little thing, a couple things up. Even if it is, um, like putting Matthews on the top line and then shifting him with the last line a couple times, or and then in, in sequence shifting Marner maybe a couple times with the Nylander Tavares line, or putting Nylander up with Matthews a few times, just getting different looks, different matchups. Because obviously, Tampa was playing the matchup game to basically a T. And obviously, Sheldon Co- uh, Sheldon Keefe, as I mentioned before, got outcoached. I I personally believe, in a couple of periods, um, we've gone twenty one minutes roughly, and haven't talked about uh, uh, Jack Campbell getting uh, pulled, and the potential of not really a controversy or more conversation. Sorry, rather conversation. Um, but the the fact that Sheldon Keefe kind of did it at a weird time, he didn't do it after the goal. He did it during a, a DB timeout where he kind of had to explain why he was doing it. I don't think Jack Campbell is to blame for all those goals. Obviously, Justin Hall, I think, was for the first one. Jake Muslin in a weird bounce. Jack Campbell probably should have put it behind the goal line, but he pushed it out front. And then the Maroon one, like, realistically, the defenseman should have been back in time to tie up Maroon for the second whack. Yeah, especially Patrick Maroon, who isn't the quickest player in the league. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and that's why I said to you, like, how does Patrick Maroon get behind your defense? doesn't make sense to me. But, like, all in all, I think it was kind of a smart play in, in the sense on, on Sheldon Keefe because it kind of it took him out in the game. He, he's not going to have a mental breakdown after the game. He's kind of maybe dealt with a few things. But at the, on, on the separate hand, you would think that it would be after the goal, regardless of how embarrassing it is or not. Yeah, and I agree. Like, there was a couple goals there where Tampa scored that, yeah, he might have had to or should have saved them, but you can't really blame him on him because the players around him made bad plays. Like the first goal where Justin Hall, massive turnover, cost them the goal, and the other one. But like, I think the, the standout goal of, of, of when you knew he should have been pulled or he wasn't on his game was the failed catch 
the guy just shot a top corner and he tried to catch it and just whiffed on it and it went right by him. Yeah, that gave me uh, shades of um, who was it last year? Nick Suzuki? Was it Nick Suzuki or uh, no, it was um, what's his name there? He plays for Carolina now. He got offer sheeted. Kakanemi? Kakanemi, yeah. Yeah, I remember yeah. when he shot it right over, and it hit off like Dermot's skate, but still he 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 whiffed on the on the glove save, and like a couple of people were pointing out that he was looking down at his glove, and and I I I pointed that out too, kind of like that he was looking down on, but it looked like his glove folded in, like it looked like it kind of um when you kind of bent the top, not like permanently obviously, but it looks like when he caught it, he thought he caught the puck, but it was actually the puck moved the top of the glove inside, and then he kind of just squeezed down on it. Obviously, causing, as you said, him whiffing. But yeah, yeah. I think uh, he's got to be a little bit more sharp and on his game to start the third, or the first period next game. But at the same time, um, the defense needs to be better. I think the coaching needs to be better. The, the forwards need to be a little bit more into the involved in the play rather than kind of nonchalant, like we've I mentioned before. Nylander did it a couple times. I thought Ingvall did it a couple times until the end when he got into a tackle, which was no penalty. And I don't understand that at all. Yeah. The, the penalties, it was, I thought it was ridiculous. The, the penalties that they were calling and like last game, John Cooper, Tampa's coach had a problem with the refs calling penalties against Tampa. And this game, hopefully Sheldon Keefe comes out and says something after the game because some of those penalties were ridiculous. Like the John Tavares or whoever it was got the hooking penalty for placing a stick on the guy's leg, and then the guy just fell over. The, the Yeah, that was Michael, in ball. Michael Bent- was it in ball? Didn't John Tavares get a penalty too? Well, there was oh, one maybe of them. it was John Tavares, yeah. There was one of them where like the stick just lightly touched the guy's leg. It was like just resting on his leg and the guy just tumbled forward. John Tavares was making like the dive. Yeah, it was John Tavares, uh, Corey Perry. Yeah, yeah and, and the Michael Bunting high stick where his stick was just tangled up with the guy. The guy's stick made contact with Bunting's face too. Bunting just didn't react, so they gave the penalty to Bunting. The yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and, um, Andre, Andre Kasha high stick where the guy was holding his stick and then he just kind of pulled on it to get it out of the guy's grip and it swung yeah. around and hit Nick Paul in the face. The tripping call was that in the first period. The defenseman, uh, I don't remember what defenseman it was. It might even have been a forward, but like they just lightly touched the guy and he went head over heels into the boards. Like oh, there was yeah. a couple a couple penalties called against the Leafs that you're like, really? You're going to call that? But then the blatant penalties that you're like, how is not called? The refs just are turning the other way and not looking at it. Yeah, and, and I would even go as far as I am, obviously, a Leafs homer. That's quite obvious. Uh, but I would even go as far as the Victor Hedman penalty on, on Mitch Marner. Oh, yeah. He kind of dove down and, and caught him and then stood back up and Mitch Marner went flying. Like, Morgan Riley, he did have a point. Although, like, yeah, I'll take the penalty, sure. Any, any hockey fan would of their own team to getting a penalty, sure, I'll take the power play. But at the same time, you got you, you to be a little bit more consistent. This is the playoffs. If that decided game seven, the Stanley Cup final because the refs inconsistencies and then they mentioned like talking to um who was it the the director of officiating he's not really gonna do much like he could yeah he he really could but like what what are they gonna do like this has been going on not just in the Toronto series the Boston Carolina series has been called bad 
some plays in the Calgary Dallas series that I've watched have been called bad. Like it just, it, I'm just at a loss. Like this is supposed to be playoff hockey. The intensity is supposed to be high. You're you're paying loose fans, especially are paying like fifteen hundred bucks for a ticket to see Matthews play two minutes in the first period, or sorry, five minutes technically, but two minutes in the first ten minutes because of penalties or well, I mean, in this case, it was because the the coach, but end game one because a five and then a two and then another two on for the Leafs. Like, come on. If you're the officials, the officials, you have to be better. It is the playoffs. Players play 82 games and are trying to win 16 more, and they don't want their season spoiled because of a bad call. Yeah, especially since all you heard all year, all you heard all year was from former players and broadcasters on TV and the announcers and and the people between the benches are interviewing the players and the intermission is like, couple bad penalties here but you won't see that in playoff hockey like yeah that may be called here that may be called in the season but when it comes to playoff hockey those won't be called because it's it's a much looser or tighter but looser with regular like penalties because the refs don't want to cost the team the game and then have them blame it on but it just seems like this specifically the toronto tampa series because there's been like what 85 penalty minutes already well i think there's 75 penalty minutes between the two games so i would imagine but with the two attempts tonight yeah, probably. Okay, then there's plus 100 plus already. 100 plus. And, and there's only, it's only four games in. And all all Tampa fans and Leafs fans and Tampa staff and Leafs staff are sitting there thinking, like, this is supposed to be playoff hockey. Like, you, you lightly touch someone with your stick and they go tumbling on both teams, not just Tampa, but in this case, it was Tampa tonight, I noticed. And they get a penalty and the, the players are like, I, I didn't even do anything. How do you call that hooking when my stick is on it, on it literally resting against his pants? And, and how do you also... Hook, <clears throat> Sorry, go. Go, go. No, continue. I was going to say, how do you call that tripping when the, the guy barely touched him, didn't even make contact with his feet? And if he did, it, it wasn't enough to make the guy fall over. The guy sprawls on on the ice. Like, how do you call the, the David Kasher high stick? Well, yeah, maybe they only saw the high stick, but upon the replay, the refs are looking up to see if they got the right call. You can clearly see the guy holding. Like, why didn't you just say, we made a mistake, double? Yeah, I, and and uh, but uh, somehow you call him that, so good on you. Um, in terms of um, somehow you're calling what David Kasha, you called Andre Kasha, David Kasha. Oh, did I? Andre Kasha. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, that's cool. Like, I don't care, but it's just funny that you call them Andre Kasha and people don't even probably know who that is. But yeah, that's his brother. He plays for Philly. It's far be it. Um, I, th- I think the thing that shocks me the most about it is, is like Craig Simpson, who, who's the, um, I guess, analyst on the color commentating group. He was even shocked at the end of the game that there's no penalties, like on the, the Ingball, Hagel. Uh, the the Braden points cross checking Morgan Riley in the face, almost like in the chest face area, and then Morgan Riley like uppercutting him, yeah. and and even the players like they're arguing every penalty. Like at this at the end of the day, the refs have to look at like the NHL has to look at how bad. And I know these two could not be correlated. I understand the NHL has to look at how how mad and how bad it, it looks in the MLB right now, and think I can't be like that. Like, umpires are calling balls and strikes at sixty percent. Yeah, and then the NHL is like, 
people are literally not watching playoff hockey because it's not even play- there's a scrum. Oh, and I want to mention this before I get a word from our sponsor here because I thought this was vitally important to Toronto and the refs ruined it. John Tavares goes into the net. Okay, two guys grab John Tavares. That's when Sergeyev got the extra penalty or the penalty for roughing because he punched John Tavares in the face twice. The refs go in, see two Tampa players grabbing JT. One was throwing punches to his face. Who does the ref grab? William Nylander. The guy that everyone says is weak, is a pretty boy, is this, is that. Fancy pants, twiddle, twiddle toes, whatever the heck you want to call them. Whatever they, twinkle toes, sorry, whatever you want to call them that they call them out there on Leafs Nation. And he's getting into it. He even threw a left hook at uh, Kutroff's face. This guy's going kind of, Maybe berserk a little bit, frustration setting in. Maybe he's just straight up pissed off. And then you pull him out of the pile of all people. You don't pull the two guys that are punching JT in the face. You pull Willem Nylander, who just stood for the, his teammates and himself for the first time since that Washington series when he drops like TJ Oshie. Like, what? Why is it only the least players that got? I mean, this instance, I'm pissed because it's, it's Willem Nylander and I like to see that. But also, like we've mentioned this before, Wayne Simmons goes in, he gets pulled on first. Kyle Clifford goes in, he gets pulled on first. Patrick Maroon goes in, nope. Corpera goes in, nope. In this case, I don't even know who it was that went in with him, Sergeyev, whomever. Sergeyev doesn't get pulled out, but he gets the extra penalty for roughing because he made an idiotic move and punched him twice in the face. Yes. Like, I don't know what your take on this, Scott, is, but starting to piss me right off that Toronto players are getting pulled on the pack first because it just buys into the narrative that Toronto's soft and weak when they're actually potentially not we just don't get to see that side of them uh yeah i mean in in that moment maybe they pulled nylander because of the they saw the left hook to kucherov maybe they didn't but i'd agree in the generalized overall series it has been or it does seem like the the least players are the ones who the refs are kind of pulling away skating away then it kind of the other refs are kind of separating everybody else and it it seems specific Typically in the first two games, there was the Wayne Simmons. Like when they had the line brawl there, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Simmons was already being led away from all the scrums. He wasn't even allowed to even go near it. Eventually he did. He got penalized for it. but And then he got, I think he got fined for it too. But it just, it, I agree. It just seems weird that the, the least players are the ones who the refs grab a hold of in those moments. Maybe it's reputation in the case of Simmons Clifford. Uh, yeah, William Nylander. What no, no, but I mean, like, I have as a in, tough guy. No, I wasn't talking necessarily about Nylander, but in past games, you mentioned Simmons and Clifford. Maybe the refs are pulling them away because of reputation. And in this okay. instance, I don't know why Nylander was pulled away instead of the guys punching and trying to t- knock over Tavares. Maybe it was just that ref didn't want to get in the middle of it, so he didn't get hit, so he kind of just grabbed the first person he saw. I don't know. But I agree. In the generalized series, it does seem – what? Sorry? That just confuses me. Yeah, in the general overall series, it, it has seemed like specifically the Leafs' tough guys have been more led away from the scrums while the Tampa players are in there punching, shoving, ice, kind of throwing their sticks around. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, but it's getting annoying as as a hockey fan to see all these penalties. Uh, we'll get a word from our sponsor here when we come back. We're gonna cut this one short. Um, we obviously are only really truthfully doing this podcast tonight because, well, for you guys, the fans, the listeners, we want to keep consistency. Um, 
you guys are obviously somewhat liking what we're doing. So, you know, and we made a promise to you to do it after every playoff game. So we're going to try and get a word from our sponsors, do the other scoreboard and kind of just wrap this up. And uh, whatever we missed, we can, we can talk about more after game. Uh, what's that game five? Yeah. Game five on Tuesday. Yeah. Just before we go on, right. break, I want to mention one thing. Yep. I thought it was funny how in game one, Toronto was up five, nothing. Tampa kind of came on a little bit late, but didn't score. But like they, Tampa was getting, you call it game management, call it whatever you want. But Tampa was getting penalty called. The Leafs were getting penalties against them, so that Tampa had was like kind of getting momentum, kind of like gaining advantage, you could say. Game two, when Tampa was up five one, like Tampa wasn't getting penalties. Toronto wasn't getting momentum. I think if they eventually Tampa got a couple, but like not as often as. And this may be just as a Leafs fan bias. I don't know. Just something I've noticed. Then game three, when Toronto's up 3-1, Tampa's getting – or Toronto's getting some penalties. Tampa kind of gaining momentum, getting back in the game. Tonight, Tampa's up 5 nothing. Toronto's getting nothing. There was a couple of penalties called for Toronto in the second and third period. But, like, you mentioned this in the past. Like, the refs missed so much. There's so many blatant – there was one play where the guy literally, like, I don't know if he high-sticked, like, in, in kind of in the groin area or he speared Michael Bunting. But, like, Bunting was just the guy, they, they were jostling. Bunting went to skate away, and then the camera panned around, and Bunting was just laying on the ice. I don't know how the refs missed it. I just noticed that, like, game management only really seems to matter when when the, the one team is in dire need of coming back because when Toronto was down big, they don't seem to be getting the calls for to gain momentum to make it more, more interesting. Yeah, I agree. Even um, do you remember what game was it? Two, I think it was Nick Paul. He rushed the net. Um, it was like a week. Yeah, I think it wasn't we. Uh, Nick Paul. It was like a week, week call. Remember, and then oh, it was like is that when Simmons pushed him over on top of Clifford or Campbell? No, no. Well, yeah, that was a penalty, but that was on Corey Perry, I think. But it was like oh. he was rushing the net. Someone tripped him or something like that. And it shouldn't have been a trip. But they called it a trip. And then that's when I tweeted on, like, this is game management. Like, me and you had even said that to each other. Like, that's completely game management to try and give Tampa Bay a chance to come back. They didn't. And, oh, no, I think it was actually last game. Whatever game it was. I think it was last game, though, because it, was, it wasn't – it was close from the third period. Regardless, I still think you're, you're 100% right. Most, most refs now just seem to game manage, and that, and that pisses me off. Like, eight to two of the power plays, that's not game management. That's favor, favoritism. Yeah, is that was that the like how many penalties are drawn tonight? I like at least ten. I think like, Tampa may not have had ten power plays because there was four and four play for some time, but at least ten, I think, Toronto had. They went. Tampa went. Um, I don't even know the box score. Won't let me see right now. It just says that Tampa Bay had twenty-two penalty minutes to Toronto's thirty, but take take. Um, the 10 Take 10 pants away of each, yeah, so 12 to 20. So then, yeah, Toronto had 10, 10 penalties because 10 times 2. Yeah, but, well, technically, um, no. Oh, the cash was 4 minutes, so they had 9. Still, not not right. Yeah, 9, and then I guess Tampa had, what, 5 or two, uh, 3, sorry? Well, they would have had 12, wouldn't they? Oh, yeah, 12, yeah. 20, so 6. Still, game management to me, if you're going to manage the game properly and you want to do that mechanism or uh, mentality, which I don't agree with, is six for six. Like, 
nine for nine, not favored one team so they can get ahead, and then Toronto basically gets down on themselves. Um, gonna throw in uh, the sponsor quick. Write down this promo code. It's coming at you. Three, two, one. Hit it. And now a quick word from our show sponsors and friends of Inside the Rink. BetUS. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lineups for the 27th year of live betting. Sign up for BETUS.com with promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use the promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Play with a proven mainstay in the industry. Bet US. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com All right, we're back. Um, as mentioned before the break, uh, unless Scott has any more uh, big topics to talk about, I think we're just going to wrap this up. Um, Obviously, we're both not feeling the best. Scott is a little bit worse than I am now because I'm kind of on the out, outside of or the uh, the final stretch of COVID, and he's he's just starting. Um, yeah. So I don't know, Scott. What do you what do you think here? Yeah, I don't. I mean, you already mentioned Nylander, but I'm gonna give him props again because he put two in. Kind of. I mean, people are still ripping him for a couple of plays, but. Before going into the game, it was once Nylander going to score, once the Russian going to score, and then Nylander got a couple. So hopefully he continues that. And then just hopefully Matthews can can kind of get a couple in the next game because he hasn't scored since game one. So I'm hoping he yeah. can kind of – I mean, not that he hasn't been getting points. I think he has a couple assists. But hopefully he can get a couple. To, and then Nylander can continue. Maybe Tavares gets one, and then the big guns can keep rolling, and we win the next game. Early and often. That's what we need. Um, yeah, so uh, we'll wrap this up. We apologize for any coughs, sneezes, throat clearing, um, anything like that. And We know it's disgusting. We know that it may not be nice to hear, but we we decided to tough it out tonight for you guys. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Um, we want to finish on a couple notes here. Uh, there is an angel inside the Rink Facebook page. I'm not, I, I thought about it. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to put a Facebook link on Twitter. Uh, so I'll have to figure that one out. I, I really don't know. I feel like Twitter would just take that down. Um, I I have been talking to a couple guys at Inside the Rink, and it looks like the Discord track, or Discord track, Discord group chat will be uh, in the in the mix here soon. Um, we have a partnership with Inside the Rink, so go check them out. While you're there, stop at the Facebook page, stop at the uh, Twitter page, stop at the uh, the website. Uh, and 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 we have articles. They're on the on the Facebook page and all this other stuff. Like they're coming out basically every time the podcast comes out. Um, uh, so donate merch, uh, buy merch, and subscribe to the podcast. Write a review, like, comment, all that fun stuff. Uh, social media at least forever pod on Twitter. At least forever. Uh, at least sorry. At least talk forever on Instagram. We thank you. We hope all the mothers out there had a good day. And if you didn't get to see your mom today, call her tomorrow. Spend five minutes talking to her because she'll appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Again, we apologize. Hopefully we feel better on Tuesday. Go Leafs go.